Our scripture reading today, as you see in your bulletin, is from Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 23 and reading down through chapter 4, verse 7. Hear the word of God. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you were all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you were sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So we are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let us pray. Father, I pray again from the psalmist, praying that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Adoption is obviously very special to the Draffin family. We had the privilege of adopting our two daughters. And to give you some background and a few other adoption stories as we begin, uh, it started back in, actually before we moved to Clover. We moved to Clover in uh, March of 1985, and we had opened or had uh, just made contact with Bethany Christian Services in Mississippi where we were living, but had not yet had an interview with them. But when we moved here, we talked to the people at the, the Greenville office of Bethany Christian Services, and they said, well, you're your application fee and all those things will transfer over to us. And so we said, great, and said, well, let you get settled in a little bit, and then you can come over for your interviews and begin that process. And so we did. And we went through uh, a great many <laughs> interviews. Uh, I don't remember how many exactly, but there was a stack of papers about yay thick that you had to fill out and uh, answer all kinds of questions and things that you were going to do or not going to do or had done, and I don't know, just a lot of different things about it. You had not only the interview with the social worker, but uh, we actually were, were able to talk with one of the counselors of birth mother uh, there in Greenville and got to know her pretty well. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, on May 22nd of 1986, which was 30 years ago in one week, uh, we got a call, or we had to call, I guess, a couple of days before that, saying, come get your little girl. She was born on April 22nd, and so she was a month old the day we picked her up. What a joy it was. I mean, just, you know, when you get the call, you just 
can't hardly imagine, you know, oh, we've been waiting, all these things. You know, you just go ecstatic, and then you go meet this little child for the first time and bring her home. And she was not very comfortable at first, and our foster mother had told us that she was kind of sensitive, but she soon adapted to our way of living. And uh, she is now, as you see in the bulletin, she is now a news anchor in uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, after graduating from college and degree in mass uh, broadcast journalism. That's it. Anyway, she's doing well. Bethany said that uh, you know you need to wait at least a year and a half before you could apply again. So we year and a half, I think, to the day. Libby had the application in their hand. Uh, so it was a year and a half later we were applying again. Didn't have quite as much paperwork to do that time. They already had a lot of background on us and that sort of thing. So it took about a year from there, though, before we were able to adopt the second child. And this child came from, from Columbia. And uh, the, one of the questions we never forget them asking was, do you think you could accept a redheaded child? Well, there's redhead in my family especially and some in Libby's family. So we said, that's no problem. I kid my redheaded daughter now saying, if I'd have only known now what I knew then, I'd have said, no, we can't adopt. <laughs> Just a big kid, obviously, but uh, kidding her. But at any rate, uh, you know, there we had our two children. And I can remember giving our, our social worker a big hug saying, you know, you, you put our family together. Great joy. Great joy. Again, the, the experience is just, you know, hard to imagine. <clears throat> anyway, I knew I'd get some emotional. Bethany taught us a great deal. Bethany emphasized something that, as Presbyterians, we should know. God is sovereign over all things. The sovereignty of God is brought out so clearly through the work of Bethany. They These counselors would go into situations where they knew that this child probably cannot be raised in a very good environment if it stays in this situation. And yet if that birth mother and that family say no, they don't change that. They say, you know, God's in control and we'll trust him. But when the birth mother and the family do make the decision a very difficult decision to place the child for adoption. Bethany sees that too as God's sovereign hand. And his sovereign hand to bring forth that child in what the birth mother, birth family has said, this is going to be best for the child. Bethany looks at it from that standpoint. When you go in as an adoptive or somebody who's wanting to adopt, you kind of think, well, you know, I'm, I'm here to buy a car. You know, you're, I'm, the, I'm the consumer Show me my car or whatever. No, you're, you're not the number one concern when Bethany is talking to you. The child is number one. What's best for that child? And they emphasize that over and over and over again. Not only what's best for the child, but what's best in the situation for the person who might be giving up that child. That's a difficult thing to do. And then where do you fit into this process? So we learned a great deal and profited greatly from it. That was, uh, Martha was born in 1988. In 1991, we got a call from Bethany. And they said, we're having a big banquet in Greenville on such and such a date, and we would like for you to not only come, but we want you to, to be able to speak on behalf of those couples who have adopted children through Bethany over these past 10 years. It was their 10th anniversary. 
thought, wow, what an honor. And indeed it was. And uh, we go to this banquet and we're meeting different people. We see Millie, our, our social worker, and we see Linda, who had been the one who had done a lot of counseling with uh, the birth mothers and the like. And we, we were, you know, having time of reminiscing and thinking through all the things we had been through. And during the, the program itself, it started off with a state senator, and I don't remember who he was, but he was someone who fought for, for pro-life amendments and that type of thing in the state house. And he spoke on behalf of, of not only that, but in terms of uh, supporting adoption services. Then there was a, a young birth mother who had recently placed her child for adoption. She was there and gave a brief testimony about her story and her experience. Then there was a shepherding family. Shepherding families were those who would come in and take a birth mother who was in a difficult situation and care for her until the time of delivery and perhaps beyond that, just depending on the circumstances. They would actually care for them in that way. Then there was a foster family or foster mother who would come in who perhaps would take the child after it was born, care for it until it could be placed. And then we got up there. <laughs> it was kind of hard after all of those things to you know, know what to say. And in the process, we realized that the foster mother who just spoke in front of us had been the foster mother of our daughter, Leslie. She had been with her about a month. And so she remembered her quite well, even though it had been a few years since uh, she had seen her, obviously. And during that time as well, Linda introduced us to the shepherding family that had cared for, for Leslie's birth mom. You talk about emotions again. We, we left and... Uh, you know, just had a hard time. It's like, okay, we got to go somewhere and sit down and just think about this. So we pulled into some restaurant somewhere or another coming back from Greenville and, and just had to reflect for a while. A couple of other things that happened in adoption. We had the privilege on both of those occasions, there was Bethany would do a placement service where someone from the Bethany office or someone connected with Bethany would come and, and give thanks for the way in which the Lord had directed this entire event so that when the child is placed in the home that there would be the recognition of God's sovereign hand. We never met directly the birth parents in either one of our situations, but on this particular occasion I was invited to come back because I'd had a, an experience with a, a young lady who needed to, to place her child. And they wanted me to come and do the placement service. And the family that was giving up the child was there and the adoptive family were there. And it was just sort of like this. One's over here and one's over here. I don't think I've ever been to a funeral and a wedding all at the same time, but that's as close as I could imagine it. And it was wonderful. I knew what this couple was going through and I had a deeper experience of what this family was going through. And one other episode that's not nearly as dramatic in a sense, but uh, I have a cousin who lives in the, well, north of Charlotte. She and her husband had had, uh, had a child, and she had had several miscarriages and hadn't made contact with this cousin in years. And she contacted us, and we finally were able to get together with her. They were in the process of trying to adopt and they were not working through Bethany. In fact, they, they told us later they kind of wished they had, but they had, they had gone the route of, of private adoption. And as it turns out, they flew to California and adopted one little girl and waited two weeks and were able to adopt another little girl. They were about two months, or about a month apart. So she's now raising basically twins that were adopted in that way. 
another great experience. All of that to say, wow, adoption can be very emotional. Emotions on every side, from the couple who has received a child, from the family that has found it necessary to to place a child, from the families involved, and from the church community that's involved. There's so many ways in which all of these things come together. And it's amazing to sit back and realize the sovereign hand of God. That's what's most important, to see how God put it all together. It's amazing. But it's amazing, too, to see from the scriptures how God put it together that you and I can be adopted into his family. That's what Galatians is talking about here. In verse 23, Paul says, Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith that would be revealed. We know from Paul's writings in other places that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are worthy. No, not one. We're all born in that condition. And because we're born in that condition, we don't have any right standing before the holy and righteous and sovereign God over all the universe. And his standard is pretty clear. Jesus says it in the Sermon on the Mount. Be ye perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so we all fall way short of that standard. And according to the law of God that is good, the law is a good thing. The law gives us the standard that God wants us to live by, but none of us can hold to that law. None of us can live by that standard. And so the law becomes, as Paul is putting in here, not just a school teacher, but a harsh disciplinary school teacher who holds us down and actually would be cruel to us in a sense for not keeping up with the law. That's where we are. But notice what verse 25 says, but now, and whenever you read that in Paul's writings, it's always good news. He gives you kind of the bad stuff and then he says, but, but now, uh, you know, here it is, God's grace steps in and he said very clearly there, but now faith has come. We're no longer under a guardian. Faith came through Jesus Christ. Faith came so that he would wash away our sin and make us righteous now in the sight of this gracious and loving God. And you know, the Gospel of Luke talks about the way in which there's great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Reminds me that, you know, there's great emotion in heaven, so to speak, over a child of God, or someone becoming a child of God. It's not just the emotions that I've been talking about and feel today, but it's the emotions of coming to know that you belong to the great King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, don't take it lightly. Don't take the gift of salvation and the, and the wonder of what God has done and the many ways in which he orchestrated all these things together placing people in your lives that led you to the point where you could come to Christ. Don't take it lightly. See the sovereign, gracious hand of God as he brought you to himself. But adoption doesn't just stop there. God's adoption certainly doesn't stop there. He goes on to to make us legal heirs of his inheritance. 
What does God own? Everything. What are you an heir of? Everything. You belong to the king of kings, the creator and sustainer of all things. And you are an heir of all of those blessings and all of those promises and all that he has at his disposal, which is everything. And that came about through what we would have to call a legal process. When you adopt someone, you have to go to court and go through the process of having the judge declare that this child now belongs to you. Jim Dixon was our attorney. I have never seen Jim Dixon in all the years that I knew him. I never saw him flustered except on one day, and that was the day that we went for the adoption of Leslie. We get to the courtroom, and we're waiting outside and holding Leslie and just sitting around. Jim's in control. Why don't I have to worry about anything? Jim's running around back and forth. What is going on? We didn't know. Finally, he comes over and tells us, he says, oh, uh, the court somehow or another lost the papers that I submitted, and I've got to get all these copies certified as originals in order to go through the process today. So I could see a little bit why he was having some, uh, some frustration there, and he finally got it all taken care of, and sure enough, we got into court, and we answered the questions that we had to answer and went through everything, and what we were there for was what's called an interlocutory decree, where the, the judge doesn't completely make everything official at that moment, but it stops the birth mother from changing her mind and coming back and saying, no, we're not going to do this. It kind of stops that process because at that point you've already had the child for a period of time, so you, know, you don't want to have to be jumping back and forth there. Well, the judge looked at everything that had taken place that day, and he said something to this effect. He said, you know, most of the time up, up here on the bench I'm having to split families apart. This is a wonderful occasion where I can put a family together, and I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to sign it right now. So he signed the papers right then. Bethany wasn't too sure about that, but uh, they had to accept it because it was the judge's decision, you might say. And it wasn't something that we had asked for. Jim asked for it, actually, as our attorney, and he got it through. Uh, that was, you know, typical Jim Dixon. He could... <laughs> He had a lot of connections in terms of his prayer power with the Lord as well. So, you know, it was a wonderful thing. Legally adopted. When you're legally adopted in that way, you give up all rights to the family that you used to belong to. Those are no longer valid. When you're adopted, you now become the heirs of everything and have the privileges and responsibilities of the family that you're placed in. Put it in terms of our sinful condition. What are we giving up? All of that sin that holds us guilty and worthy of God's wrath and sore displeasure. You want to keep on hanging on to that? No. Who, who wants that? So that's gone. And what do you have now? The blessings of being legally belonging unto the King of Kings. And when you're there, you know you belong. Ever been in a position where you didn't feel like you quite fit in? Been there a few times. It's real awkward, you know, just different clientele, whatever it might be. You know, you don't, you don't really fit in. When you're adopted into God's family, you have a place. You fit in. You belong. He cares for you. And 
the brotherhood of believers care for you. And you come together in that beautiful picture of what God intends for us all to have, that picture of his caring for us through his church. What a wonderful, wonderful picture it is. Oh, that it would be lived out that way all the time. Now, we know that it doesn't always seem to work that way, but ultimately, isn't that what it's going to be about? And to know that we are legally there, belonging there, and what a wonderful joy, again, that is to have that privilege. By law, we're there. And as we're there, we then begin to take on the characteristics of the family. People that knew my father, I remember on one occasion, I it was at Synod, and my father attended a lot of Synod meetings, and I was talking to a friend, and all of a sudden I realized, oh, I haven't introduced you to my father. And the guy I was talking to said, you didn't have to introduce me. I could tell he's your father. I mean, y'all look alike. You just carried on the same characteristics and all. Well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be if you're a child of God? You pick up the characteristics. Zeke's going to pick up those Armstrong Watts characteristics. He's going to be one because he's going to follow in those things. He's going to learn those traits. He's going to be one who upholds that sense of family. That's just going to be natural. And that's what we are to do as God's children, to pick up those characteristics. How do you do that? Well, you do that by making sure you're spending a lot of time in his word. That's where he tells us about who he is, what he's done for us, how he would have us to live. There's so many ways in which that comes about. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, I think, is a, is a very, very good place to begin if you want to look for what God wants us to be doing. He tells us something we are to put on. He's already told us things to put off, to put off the sinful behavior that we are born with, put off those things, get rid of those things. And then he says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's, that's a part of what we put on, Christ-likeness. And that's a part of what this baptism service is about today because you as a congregation have said, we're going to help with the Christian nurture and admonition of this child. Not just this child, but look at all these other wonderful children you've got running around here today. Isn't that great? And you're, you're there to teach them. God has placed you here for them. Now, are you responsible for everything? No, but you're responsible certainly for for demonstrating Christ-like qualities in their lives. And some of you can do it through compassion, and some of you can do it through training, and some of you can do it through encouragement, and some of you can do it. There's all sorts of ways in which you can do it, but you're a part of that. And those children one day, hopefully, are going to look back and say, you know, Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so did something for me that, that helped me understand what it meant 
to have a relationship with Christ. Or so-and-so helped me and encouraged me so that I wouldn't give up when I felt like quitting. Or so, you know, just tons of things that can happen through the gracious and loving hand of the sovereign God who works all things according to his own special plan. Great and wonderful day, but it's not about us. It's about him. It's about the one who suffered and died in our place. It's about the one who saw fit to adopt us and make us his children. It's about him who one day will stand before and give an accounting of our lives. It's about him. And no matter how many ways in which we see the marvelous grace of God enacted before us that day when we finally stand before him, it's got to be emotional. It's got to be one of those where you, you know, you, there's a song about, you know, am I going to sing before you, Lord, or fall on my knees? What am I going to do? I, I don't have any idea what we'll do. But it'll have to be something where we can look and say, in effect, Lord, thank you for all you've done. For the way in which you put so many people in my lives that pointed me to you, and for the way in which you, in your grace, by your spirit, opened my heart and gave me the ability to trust you in faith and to walk with you through the hard times, through the good times, through the times of doubt, through the times of fear, whatever it might be. You did it all, Lord. And I come before you and bow in your presence. I hope you'll go away today thinking about the marvelous grace of our Lord who sovereignly works it all together for his purposes and his glory. Let us pray. <clears throat> Father, again, what a, what a joy it is to be able to, to reflect upon the way in which you have worked in my life, in the life of my family, and in the lives of those dear folk who are here today, especially for this special occasion. Father, may it never become something that we take for granted, but may you inspire us moment by moment to reflect upon the wonders of your unfailing love to your people. And may we then learn to live in a way that reflects the love of Christ to those around. We make our prayer in his name.